The reading this morning is taken from the book of Deuteronomy and is chapter 26, starting at verse 15, and it's page 203 in the Pew Bible. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised on oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. For you have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him and that you will keep his decrees and commands and laws, that you will listen to him. And the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession, as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame and honour high above all the nations he has made, and that you will be a holy people to the Lord your God, as he promised. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, thank you for Peter, for his leadership, and for the words he's got to talk, speak to us today. Father, as he does so, as we learn, may we learn more about the adventure and the journey that you've got for us, both as a church and as our, as individuals, Lord. Pray your blessing on him now. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Well, we had our ooh, we had our reading uh, earlier on, didn't we? Uh, from Joy, and uh, do have the passage open before you. It's Deuteronomy twenty six fifteen to nineteen. If you're using the church Bibles, or uh, uh, there'll be slides that go with my talk as well on the screen. I wonder if you've ever heard of a man called Thor Heyerdahl. It's a, a picture uh, that goes with this. Uh, Saul Heyerdahl, he lived from 1914 to 2002, and he was a, a, a really adventurous type. Uh, he trained originally as a marine biologist and a geographer. He was from Norway, and uh, he decided to put his knowledge and uh, expertise into practice uh, on the Pacific Islands known as Polynesia. So if you can somehow get a map of the world in your in your head... Uh, and, uh, and, and think about the Pacific. It's a long way away from here. And the Polynesian Islands are somewhere in the Pacific. Okay. It's a massive ocean and they're in the Pacific somewhere. Uh, anyway, basically what he decided was he, he, um, believed that those Polynesian Islands were populated from South America. Uh, and, uh, that's what he, he theorized. And, but the scientific community at the time, believe the opposite. They thought that the Polynesian islands were populated from the other direction, from Southeast Asia. Okay? Uh, uh, but Heyerdahl believed that the, the winds, the prevailing winds, the prevailing currents had, had, had taken people from South America to the Polynesian islands other than, rather than the other direction. So he decided to prove it. 
On the 28th of April, 1947, he set sail from the coast of Peru in South America on a raft made from planks of balsa wood, which was the material that he had believed was used by the first immigrants thousands of years before. And on the way, his crew faced storms, uh, shark attacks, even whales that were, you know, nudging his boat to, to find out what was going on until they crashed into the shore of Tahiti 101 days later after a journey of 4,000 miles. Can you imagine it? They made it. So he basically proved that they came from that direction rather than that direction. However, not content with one epic voyage, in 1969, he set out from the coast of North Africa in a boat made of papyrus reeds to sail across the Atlantic. And what he was doing on this occasion was to prove, uh, to set out to prove that the Egyptians had, had made the journey first in a boat made of papyrus reeds. And again, the, the, the majority of the scientific uh, you know, experts said, well, no, that could never have happened. No way could they have done that on papyrus reeds. No. Uh, on that occasion in 1969, that, that, that expedition failed because his, his boat became waterlogged. But being so high dull, he was not going to be put off. And so he tried again. So the night, the 1970, he successfully made the 4,000 mile crossing from Morocco, North Africa, to Barbados in the Caribbean. Now, Heyerdahl, some might say, was obstinate, reckless, you know, somewhat maybe even selfish, but he had a go. He endured amazing, amazing things uh, on his adventure. He had the spirit of adventure. Now, of course, Basin Hill has our own very own adventure, don't we? Sharon McGrath who lives just down the road. Uh, Sharon, with her two uh, other companions, was the first all-female crew to row across the Atlantic. Wow. You know, I, I, I can sort of just about row a little way up the seven, but, you know, to think about rowing across the Atlantic, well, that's way outside of my anything. Think of the adventure that, that they would have had on the way. Okay, so what's this got to do with our Christian walk, our Christian faith? Well, in this talk, as Steve said, we're focusing on the third and final of our set of church values. Those are the principles, the, the, the qualities, the guiding principles by which we want to be guided as a church community, that we want to head in the direction of these values. And so we've got three. As a PCC, this is what we've settled on. We want to be a church community that worships God. We want to be a church community that's following Jesus. We want to be a church community that is living God's adventure. And so as a PCC, we've tried to summarize, you know, there's many, many values that you could have, but we try to summarize them into three, three attributes of our life together that's going to guide us in the months and the years ahead. It's, they're going to sort of define us, if you like. Who are we as a church? Well, these values are going to define us. So, we aspire to be a church that worships God. We aspire to be a church that worships God in our, in our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Not only in our, in our Sunday morning worship or our Sunday morning songs, 
But in our everyday life, in our 24-7 following Jesus, we want to be a church that worships Jesus, that gives him our worth, our all. Second, we want to be a church that follows Jesus. We want to be a, 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 a disciple, a discipling community. We want to be a community that is learning what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, you know, you, you never stop learning about following Jesus. You never, ever, ever stop learning. We want to be a community that is always learning together uh, and individually what it means to follow Jesus, to be his disciples. And in our focus today, we're thinking about, well, how do we live out our faith out there? I mean, discipleship, of course, comes into that in a big way, but how are we going to live out our faith in a way that's attractive, in a way that's questionable? Remember that questionable idea of, you know, our lives raise questions in people's minds. Why do you live like that? Uh, Distinctive, dare I say it, adventurous. Living God's adventure. I wonder if you see your walk with Jesus as an adventure. Now, we've thought about two examples already of adventurers. We've got Thor Heyerdahl. We've uh, thought about Sharon McGrath. Uh, Another uh, obvious example, of course, is Bear Grylls. There's a picture of him. Um, He's become the face of Alpha, hasn't he? Uh, Bear is afraid of nothing or no one. He eats disgusting insects. He uh, goes on survival treks into goodness knows where and and survives. Uh, He's on the TV a lot. And yes, he's a Christian. But maybe those examples put you off a bit. You know, they're a bit daunting, aren't they? You know, who's going to be like Thor Heyerdahl or, or Bear Grylls or, or Sharon McGrath? Because, you know, the honest truth is, is that being a Christian isn't always sort of easy, is it? You know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you'll know that being a Christian is not easy. And, and, and Christians throughout the world today are facing massive persecution. And, and suffering for being a Christian. Now, we're shielded from that in this country a lot. But if you live in a, in a place like Pakistan or North Korea or uh, uh, other countries in, in North Africa, um, you know, if you're a Christian in those places, being a Christian is not easy. That's the understatement of the, uh, of the year. It is very, very difficult. Even being a Christian in this country is not easy. And when... When you become a Christian and when you follow Jesus, you, you very quickly realize that you can sort of have these mountaintop experiences, you know, the ones when you're, uh, as it were, on the top of Mount Snowden, and you're looking down and you're seeing it's all amazing and it's all good and it's all wonderful. And then the next moment, maybe even the next half hour, the next day, you're down in the valley. And you go from that mountaintop of Wow, isn't God good? Isn't he, isn't he loving to there being down in the, in the valley and thinking, why, where has God gone? Why has he left me? And being a Christian means you've got to face up to some tough questions. Really tough questions. Things like, why does God allow us to suffer? Why does God allow incurable illnesses? It, it's, and, you know, we've, we've walked, we've, we've been, we're walking with you in this and, and, you know, seeing loved ones die. And as your pastor, I can only walk that journey with you and pray with you. And we walk it together as a community. We walk alongside each other and we offer each other the love, the love of Jesus Christ who surpasses our questions and our doubts. But an adventure? Is Christianity meant to be an adventure? 
Well, I think it is. But we need to be more nuanced than simply saying, go have an adventure with Jesus Christ. I think that's a bit simplistic. Seems to me a bit simplistic anyway. So maybe what we need to do is we need to go at a pace that we can all manage. And, and rather than seeing, seeing it as a sort of a Thor Heyerdahl or a Bear Grylls experience, we need to set off on the adventure of faith at a walking pace. So, let's reread our passage from Deuteronomy 26, verses 15 to 19. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel, and the land you have given us, as you promised on oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws, carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands and laws, that you will listen to him. And the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame and honor high above all the nations he has made and that you will be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised. Now, look at verse 17. What does it say? It says, you have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands and laws that you will listen to him. It's very interesting, isn't it? Now, the context of, of our passage is obviously Deuteronomy, and it's, it's at the end of a very long series of rules and rituals and regulations. If you go back from this chapter, back towards the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see that uh, Moses, being the mouthpiece of God, sets forth a whole series of, of rules and regulations. In fact, it begins um, back in chapter 5. And so from chapter 5 onwards, there's a whole long list of, you know, you need to live like this, and you need to do this, and you do not need to do, you shouldn't do this, etc., etc., etc. That's the back, that's the, that's what's happened before our reading. If you go, if you keep going in, you know, a, a, a sort of keep going away from chapter 26 onwards, you'll see that you very soon come to 28. And chapter 28 is a very significant chapter in Scripture because chapter 28 of Deuteronomy contains the blessings of obedience and the, ble- and the curses of disobedience. And so, in Deuteronomy 28, Moses, being the mouthpiece of God, sets forth, if you obey God, if you do what God says, he will bless you like this. However, if you don't obey God, then he will curse you like this. Now, read 28 when you are feeling quite strong because it is hard-going stuff. It's, 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 the blessings are outweighed by the curses, okay? It's, it's not easy stuff. Uh, but, you know, if you're feeling strong later, do have a read through. But that's the context of our reading. It's, it's sandwiched between those two things. And verse 17, in the middle of our passage, says, You have declared this day that the Lord is your God, and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands, and laws, that you will listen to him. Now, 
Importantly, please note, we are people of the new covenant. Now, what I mean by that is we are people who are freed from those rules and regulations have set forth in the Old Testament. Now, this that's a difficult thing to explain in a short way, but basically, we don't need to follow every single rule and regulation set forth in Deuteronomy and the other books of the what they call the Torah, because Jesus has fulfilled the law in himself by dying on the cross, the perfect sacrifice. He has satisfied the law. So we don't need to follow all those laws, The Ten Commandments, Mm, we do, (laughs) yes. But all the, all those, you know, to us, smaller laws, we don't need to follow because we are new covenant people. We are, we live under the rule and the reign, the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. We are New Testament people. And yet we still hold the Old Testament very, 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 very highly. That you will walk in obedience to him. We need to walk in obedience to God. Now, most of us can go on a walking pace. Now, I'm going on a slow walking pace, aren't I? I'm walking slowly. Uh, Some people walk really fast. But most most of us can go on a, a, a walking pace when you go on a walk. Now, I know there's a stepping out group that meets, I've been on it from this church. Uh, if you go on a, step, a stepping out walk, which is an organized walk that is run from this church, the leader of that walk, whoever that is, should go at the pace of the slowest walker. Okay? So if you want to, if you go on a stepping out walk, you should, if you can't walk really fast, and you walk a little bit slower, your leader should go at your pace. Sometimes you might go on a walk, and the leader's about three miles up the hill, and you're way down there, and you think, I'm not, I can't keep up with him. My brother, bless him, David, I went, I went on a walk, this is a bit of an aside, but I went on a walk with my brother David a few years ago, and literally I was running to keep up with him because he was going so fast. I was way behind. I was, I was like, David, hold on. But your leader should go at the speed that you're going. You, you're, the pace that you're going, he should, he should go at. He, sorry, I'm being very sexist here. He, she should go at. If you were at my licensing a year and a half ago, you'd have heard the Archdeacon talk about flaneuring. You remember that? If you're here. Uh, Paul Thomas talked about, he, he said to me, in my ministry, I need to do flaneuring. Now, what he meant by flaneuring is, he, he said, get out and about into the village of Basin Hill. Walk around the village, soak it up, see what is going on, meet people, talk to people, listen to people, find out what's going on in your community of Basin Hill. And the best way to do that is to walk around. So I try to do that. I, I, I walk around the village. I try and soak up what's going on. I, I meet people as I, as I do that. And actually, interestingly, as I do that, I begin to sense, I begin to kind of feel almost where God is at work in our community. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him. Now, if you like numbers, here's some numbers for you, some statistics. The word walk appears 252 times in scripture. 
It appears as early as Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, when Adam and Eve walk in the Garden of Eden with God. Is all all right? It, it appears 50 times in the wisdom literature, uh, like uh, Psalms and Proverbs. It occurs 47 times in the Old Testament prophets. It occurs 49 times in the Gospels and Acts. It occurs 15 times in Paul's letters. And the very last occurrence is in Revelation chapter 21, verse 24. So you can see, the word walk is a theme that runs right through Scripture, from Genesis right through to Revelation. Now, there are two types of walk in the Bible. There's the walking with, and there's the walking before. And there's a difference between the two. If you're walking with someone, just imagine there's someone with me, you're walking in companionship. You're walking together. You're walking in friendship. You're walking in almost like intimacy. There's a, there's a, a companionship when you're walking with someone. And so in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, we read that Enoch walked with God. And in Genesis 6, verse 9, we're told, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. That's a walking with. So when I go for a walk with Debbie, uh, we, we, we're walking together, and we share about our lives, we share about our struggles, we share about our joys, we share about our challenges, we're sharing about family, we're sharing about work, we're sharing about church, we're sharing about everything. You know, when I'm walking with Debbie, say, we are in companionship. We're walking in friendship. Going back to my brother, he always walks about there and I'm here. <laughs> it's a walking with the other type of walk is a walk before. A walk before. And a, the walking before is a walk of obedience. As we find in our reading in Deuteronomy 26, it's a walk of obedience. Another example is in uh, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. God tells Abraham, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Now, on that occasion, what God is doing, you see, he's establishing a a covenant, an agreement between himself and Abraham. Uh, It's a very important agreement that he's establishing with Abraham. And he's saying to Abraham, I'm going to bless you with descendants. I'm going to bless you with a land. I'm going to bless you with my guidance. I'm going to bless you with my protection. That's what God promises to do in his covenant, his agreement with Abraham. Abraham's part is to walk in obedience to the Lord, to serve him and him alone. Now, that is a very important covenant because that that covenant actually extends to the descendants of Abraham so that the descendants of Abraham have also got to walk in obedience to God. They've got to serve him. They've got to live lives that are holy, live lives that are righteous, live lives that are blameless before God. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 tells us this. God has showed you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your gods. Now, I didn't know that that song was chosen for this service. 
until we sung it, because for various reasons. But, you know, I'm sure God's in this, actually. You know, we sung about that, haven't we? We sung that song to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is uh, the prophet Micah. And the prophet Micah, he's not just prophesying to the people of Israel. He's prophesying for you and for me. What does the law require of you and of me? He requires us to act justly. In other words, whatever we do, wherever we go, on our front lines, wherever it is God has placed us, we are to act justly. That we might be good and right and holy. He requires us to love mercy. God has shown us mercy in Jesus by dying for us on the cross. We are shown mercy, so we are to be merciful to others. And lastly, Micah says that God requires us to walk humbly with your God. Let me illustrate what that means. Just say you're on a stepping out walk, okay? And you're in the group, you're in the, 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 the group of walkers, and your, your leader, your walk leader says, we're gonna, when we get to the stile, which is just at the end of the field, we're gonna go left. And, uh, you know, we're gonna cross over the stile, we're gonna go that way. And being dutiful followers of your leader, when you get to the stile, you cross over the stile, and you follow him and you go left. There's a verbal command, if you like, a verbal direction, a verbal instruction, we're gonna go left. Now, sometimes your leader may not verbally tell you we're going to go left. He might just go left. And you being faithful followers, you just follow your leader to the direction he's going. Now, just put that context in following God or following Jesus. You are not in a place to tell God which way you should go. Okay, God is, God is your leader. God is my leader. He's our, he's our king. He's our sovereign. So if, if God tells you, God tells me, God tells us to go that way, we go that way. It, it's about walking humbly with your God. It's, it's not us saying, God, I'm going to go that way because I'm going to tell you that I'm going to go that way and you've got to bless me as I go that way because I'm telling you I'm going to go that way. No, it, it's not, that's not right. God is our leader. He's our king. He's our leader. So if he says to us, we go that way, we go that way. It's walking in obedience to him. That's what it means. And so it, it comes back again to our reading. Moses says to the people of Israel, you have declared this day that the Lord is your God, is your God, and that you will walk in obedience to him. And so in this adventure of following Jesus, there's two types of walking. He, God walks with us, that walk of friendship, that walk of intimacy, that walk of companionship. And secondly, we walk before him. We follow him in obedience. Now, there's another way of walking. And that's the walk of him walking among us. God walks among us. And there's a very significant verse when it comes to thinking about that. It's Isaiah 43, verse 2. It's on the screen. And Isaiah prophesies this, when you, puff, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I want to come back to where I began. 
you remember I told you, I said that the Christian walk can be a mountaintop experience or it can be a valley experience? Being a Christian varies from that mountaintop to the valley and all the way in between. Good times, bad times. Times of suffering, times of joy. Times when it's easy to be a Christian, times when it's really, really, really difficult. But however we feel, God is among us. However we feel, God is amongst us and with us. This is what Isaiah is saying in his prophecy. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. It's a promise. God is with us. God is with you. God is with me. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He walks with us. He will never abandon us. He will never abandon you. But a question arises. And it's a practical question. It's the how. How can we walk in obedience? How can we walk with God in obedience? Leviticus 26 verse 13 says this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. The truth is God enables us to walk with him. He enables us. He gives us his strength. He gives us his power. He gives us his spirit to walk his way, to walk for him, to live for him, to follow him, to serve him in humble obedience each and every day, wherever he has placed us to be. Let me quote another verse. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now what I wanted to do, what I want to do as, as we come to a close, I want to give you some space and some quiet to think and to pray. And what I want you to do in the, in the short time of quiet, I want you to think about where you're going to be walking this week. Where are you going to be walking with God this week? It might be at home with your loved ones. It might be with your neighbours. It might be going round to your neighbours. It might be your neighbours coming round to you. It might be your friends going for a walk with your friends. Going for a walk on your own. Maybe you'll be walking in your job. Maybe you'll be walking in a club. Or walking to the local school. Whatever, wherever, wherever God has placed you this coming week. And I want to give you some space. I want you just to talk to God and listen, try and listen to God and, and ask God, how, how are you going to walk with me, God, this week? How are you going to help me to be your disciple in the place that I'm going to be walking this week? So I'll just, let's have some space to think about that. Now, it might be that as you face your week, that you're 
going to be going, it might be that you're going to a difficult place. It might be a place that you're feeling daunted about or worried about as you walk to that place. Or imagine yourself walking to that place. And that's why prayer ministry is so important. That's why having the ministry of prayer of, of fellow Christians is so important. And let me encourage you, if you're walking, if you're imagining walking to a difficult place this week, please seek the prayer of someone about that before you go. Ask them to pray with you that God will walk with you into that place, whatever that place is. But maybe this is the challenge that God is setting to us as a church. Will we walk in obedience to him? Will we be open to his power working in us, in us and through us as we set off on the adventure of faith into the unknown that's called discipleship with Jesus? And it ties in with that the Bell series we've been thinking about as well. Will you, will I, as you walk the way of faith this week, this month, this year, keep on listening to his voice? Will we be people who share, who eat, who learn, who are sent by God on our adventure of a lifetime? May God go with us. I have a sneaking suspicion he will. Amen.